What a great theme for this month as we go into a new year, and I'm just so excited about that. Let's just pray, would we? And I just want you to pray and open up your hearts. We're going to be talking about prayer. We're going to be talking about fasting today. We're going to be talking about some things that it's easy to have a closed heart and a closed mind about. But we want you just to have an open heart because we want your world to get bigger and bigger. We want your world to increase. We want what God wants to give to you, just the blessings and the peace and the comfort and the healing. We want to see that grow. We want to see that build in your life. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone in this place. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts, that you would open up our minds to receive your word today. That it would not return void, but God, we would be both challenged and encouraged. God, of what we can do and what we're able to do through your word, God, the challenge that will be made into our hearts and lives today that we can rise to, that we can see great things. God, we thank you that, God, we have chosen, God, to live for you, to serve you with all of our hearts. We love you in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen. Come on, high five someone around you. Say, are you chosen? Come on, you better have chosen. Come on, you better have chosen. It's great, as I said, to have every one of you here. Here's what I pray. We are just two weekends into a new year. And I pray that already you are sowing the proper seeds for your new year that's going to produce the right harvest for your life and the right harvest for your future. Because there's two things you've got to understand. Are you ready? Here's the first. The first is this. A seed only produces after its own kind. So whatever you sow, that's what you're going to produce. That's what you're going to reap. That's the return. Here's the second thought. Are you ready? If there is no seed in the ground, there's no harvest. So we've got to make sure that first that we're sowing the right seeds and make sure that the right seeds are in the ground so that you and I can reap the right harvest. I love this, what I read this week from Stephen Furtick. He said these words. He says, I have no right to be disappointed about the fruit that wasn't born from the seeds that I did not sow. Wow. Let's say that one more time. I have no right to be disappointed about the fruit that wasn't born from the seeds that I didn't sow. I've just added a tagline to that. Are you ready? Here's Pastor P's tagline. Are you ready? And don't be surprised with the harvest you did receive as you sowed those seeds. Don't be disappointed with what you didn't get, but also don't be surprised with what you did because you were the one responsible for sowing the seeds that you sowed. How many are ready to sow the right seeds? 
so we can see the right harvest. And really, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Because there is a principle in God's word that's called first fruits. Say with me, first fruits. It's a principle that we see throughout the world of God. And it's basically this. It's basically whatever you have or whatever you receive of that, you first give to God. What would happen is if your animal had its firstborn lamb, if it was a sheep, if it had its firstborn calf, if it was an oxen or whatever it may have been, the principle of first fruits went like this. You gave the firstborn of everything that came. Now that's kind of tough when you aren't promised another one. But that's the principle of God. Now if you had a firstborn child, you weren't responsible to give them. But you had to give in place of them a sacrifice. You gave a sheep, you gave an oxen, you gave some turtle doves, whatever you could give in the place of them. Also at harvest time, the responsibility was the first harvest that you gave, oh God. You gave that to God. It was the principles of first fruits. Honoring God with the first of your provision Honoring God with the first of your blessings. So why? Why would we do that? Why do we need to do that? Here's the reason. Are you ready? Here's why God gave that principle to our lives. Because when we give him the first, he can redeem the rest. He can take care of. He can put his blessing upon. Who wants the blessing of God upon your life? Come on, it comes through first fruits given to God first and then he redeems and he takes care of the rest. It's living a blessed life and a blessed life is a life that has the supernatural blessings of God placed upon it. Notice this, I do the natural, I give the first fruits, he gives the super to the natural And he brings a great harvest. He brings a great return. He brings great blessings in our life. And that's why each and every year we begin the year, almost begin the year. We're kind of a few weeks. We know we've kind of let you get into it a little bit and settle down. But we begin our year with a 21 days of prayer and fasting. Why? Given our first fruits of the year to God. Believing that he's going to redeem, that he's going to bless, that he's going to undertake, that he's going to provide in ways that we only could even imagine in our minds. And this is our seventh or eighth year, I believe it's our eighth year that we have done this corporately as a church and we've asked everyone as individuals saying, come on, get involved, be a part of what God is doing and what he wants to do and we're trying to give you the materials and just everything that you need so you don't go into it blind and saying, well I don't understand, I don't know and we've got some sheets at the back, we've got stuff on our website and our theme this year is Chosen. Chosen. I am, I have. Say that with me, chosen. Chosen. I am, I I have. 
And we've got some really cool wristbands that we're going to be giving you at the end of service as you leave. We've got some great things on our website. We've got some screensavers for you so you can download those and put them on your computer at work. We've got some for your phone so you can download them on the, on the set screen or the lock screen or the home screen of your phone. And that this fast, you can just remind yourself in so many different ways. Come on, I have chosen. I am chosen. God's blessing is upon my life. But what we're going to discover first today is this. There is a difference between called and a difference between chosen. There's a difference between called and those who have chosen. And I want to make known to you the difference is not in God. God does not call everyone and then not choose everyone. Come on, listen to me. God doesn't give a call to everyone and then not choose people. God's call is to everyone. So the issue of moving from called to chosen is not a God thing. It's a you thing. It's you and I making the choice to say, yes, God has called me, but I'm going to heed that invitation. I'm going to receive that invitation and I'm going to say yes to it. And I'm going to say, God, I have chosen in my life that I want to live for you. And we're going to read this and going to discover this in Matthew 22. That's our passage that we're going to be looking at and we're going to explain it more. And hopefully by the end you'll understand the difference between called and chosen and the, the joy that it is that we're all called, but the greater joy there is through choosing God and saying, God, I want to live for you. I want to serve you with my whole life. We're going to actually start at the end of the passage where we are at, and we're going to go to the beginning. Is that okay? We're going to start at the end because we're going to read verses 1 through 14, but we're going to start at verse 14. Our theme scripture, it says this, For many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Chosen. We're now going to read that passage, if we would, beginning in verse 1, and we're just going to read it through today. And it says this, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatter cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their way. One to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants. What did they do to them? They seized them and did what? They threatened them. Come on, what else did they do? And they, spite, they did things to them and they killed them. So when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies and he destroyed those murderers and he burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited are not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? 
And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 14, For many are called, but few have chosen. I am, I have. Title of our message today is this, I am called, but I have chosen. I am called, but I am chosen. So let's look at this today. In this story, the king is God. The son is Jesus. God is preparing a feast. One day it's going to be called the marriage supper of the lamb. It's after this world has ended and we go in the rapture and we're in heaven with God. There's going to be a feast. It's symbolic of that feast. And God is saying through a parable, Jesus is speaking about that feast, about God preparing it for his son and mankind. Each one of us are the invited guests that he invites each and every one of us. And what you've got to understand as we look at this passage quickly today, you've got to understand the culture of the day. The culture of the day went like this. If you were invited to any type of feast, any type of celebration, there were actually two invitations that were sent out. Now we just send one. What do we do? Here's the time, date, place. Here's what you need to bring. Here's what you need to do. Can you RSVP? We give all the information that is needed on one invitation now. That wasn't how it was. The first invitation that would go out is saying, there's going to be a celebration. You're invited. Get ready. More information is going to follow. And that's how it was. And then when it was ready, when it was time, you would receive a second invitation that would say, everything's ready, bam, now it's time for you to come. Sometimes there may not be much of a warning. You may not get much time. It may be in the morning and saying, come on, it's time to come in the afternoon. But that's how the culture of that day was. But what do we see happening? The two invitations have gone out. You have been chosen. We want you to come. Now it's ready to come. Would you come? What do we see happens? We see in verse 3 that they were not willing to come. They didn't want to come. So what does he do? He breaks protocol. He breaks that which is the normal custom of the day and he sends out a third invitation. You may say, well, what's important about that? I'm telling you what's important about that. It shows the grace and the mercy that God has for each one of us, that he goes above and beyond. How many are glad that God went above and beyond? Because if he didn't go above and beyond, you probably wouldn't be here today. Come on. You didn't hear him on the first time. You didn't hear him on the second. It took you a whole long time because you were what? Stubborn and you were Come on now, I'm not talking about your neighbor, I'm talking about you. But the grace and mercy of God is another chance, not a second one, not a third, another chance. His grace and his mercy. So he gives another opportunity. He says to the servants, come on, let's try this one more time. Why would he do that? Here's the scripture, are you ready? Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness. But he is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should miss out. 
Come on, not willing that any should miss the invitation, the feast, the celebration, the party, but that all should come to what? To repentance. He doesn't want any to be destroyed. He doesn't want any to be lost. But he wants everyone to come to repentance. That thought there means to be in relationship. To have a relationship with him. A forgiveness of sins. And now a love relationship with him. And we see this in this passage. And we see it throughout the entirety of God's word over and over again. His willingness and desire is not one of you. Not one of us are left out. So in the third invitation, are you ready? They kind of up the game a little bit. They're not just saying it's ready. They go out there and they start talking about what is happening and what is ready. They go out there and say, hey, listen, the feast is ready. Come on, the prime ribs on the table. Come on, the steaks are medium well or medium rare, however you want them. There's racks of ribs. There's all the fish that you can eat. There's lobsters. Come on, there's shrimp. There's gumbo. There's jambalaya. You can have the jambalaya and the gumbo. No disrespects. I'm going to take the steaks. Amen. Give me some of those ribs. They go out there. Look at the picture. They say in verse 4, I have prepared my dinner. He's trying to really up the game. He's saying, come on, it's prepared. The oxen and the fatted cattle, they're killed. The best is ready for you. All things are ready to come. Come on, would you come? I've got the best for you. Would you come? But what does it say in verse 5? But they made light of it and they went their ways. One to their farm, another one to their business. The New Living Translation says, but the guests he invited ignored them. Ignored them. They turned down something of great reward and went on with their life. And unfortunately, it didn't even stop there because what we see in verse 6 can be very strange and hard to understand in just the context of this story. And it says, and the rest or the others, they seized the servants and they treated them spitefully. They mistreated them and killed some of them. Wow, can you believe this? They're just inviting people to a party. And as a result of it, they grab a hold of them, they beat them, they kill them. Why would he put something like this in the story? Because what Jesus is speaking of here is the fact of the Old Testament times. That he sent out his prophets, he sent out those teachers, he sent out those mouthpieces, he sent out people to the nation of Israel to tell them about him, to make known about God. And what did they do? They killed the prophets. They stoned them. They abused them. They did not listen. They turned their back on him. They rejected the message. And as a result, they destroyed the messengers. So what do we see? Verse 7. And when the king heard about it being God... He was furious and he sent out his armies and he destroyed the murderers and he burnt up their city. If you will look through the scriptures and understand the heart of God, we can almost see a wrong picture if we just read it literally here. Because we can see the furiousness and the anger and bam, I'm just going to kill and I'm going to wipe. But that's not the nature of God. 
God doesn't will that any should perish. But what we do understand is this. Because of man's rejection to God, they now open up their lives to another way. They now allow themselves to remove themselves from the protection and the provision of God. And in that state, you would read of time and time again, the Bible says because of their disbelief, because of their rebellion, God caused nations around them to subdue them, to put them into bondage. Listen, it wasn't God's doing. It was the fact that man chose not to accept the invitation of God. It's like in King Saul, it says that an evil spirit came upon him. When? When he departed from the presence of God. When he began to disobey God and not live for God, what happens? It wasn't like God cursed him with an evil spirit. He stepped out of the blessing and the provision of God and opened up his life to those wrong things. And that's what we see. It's not God who's calling down fire and brimstone and bam, just destroying everything. It's because of man's wrong choice that they have brought these things upon themselves. But even then, God doesn't call off the party. His grace, His mercy. Even then, God doesn't say, well, it's done, it's over, I'm finished with mankind. Because what do we see as we transition into the New Testament? His gospel is now not only for the Israelites, for the Jewish nations. It's now also for the Gentiles. It's now for the entirety of the world. And that's what we now see happening as we read on. Because it says this in verse 8. Here's God's plan. He says, Then he says to his servants, The wedding is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, what does he say? Therefore, go out into the highways and find as many as you can and invite them into the wedding. So the servants went out into the highways and they gathered together all they could find, both good and bad. I like the message Bible says, they rounded up everyone they could lay their eyes on, the good and the bad regardless. And the wedding hall was filled. The wedding hall was filled with guests. No matter who, no matter what, the invitation has now been made for everyone. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you are away from God, the invitation now is would you come? Would every one of you come because the invitation has been made for us? I'm so glad that God doesn't fish with a hook. God fishes with a net. Why? Because he throws out the net for the whosoever and he catches the good, he catches the bad, he catches the ugly. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's your only plan, don't do that. (laughs) Catches us all. Why? Because he doesn't will that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. But even though the invitation has been made for all, we still see from this passage that there are still requirements and things that are expected of us because we can't just come to God on our account. Come on, we can't just come to God on our own way. We come to God in our sin. We come to God in our failures. But it's not us choosing what the criteria is is, but it's us accepting what God requires from each one of us. So it'd be kind of nice to end the story here, wouldn't it? 
that those who didn't want to come, they didn't come. He invites and those who didn't think they were worthy, those who thought they didn't have a chance, those who didn't get the first invitation, now they're ready. Man, the party's hopping and popping, man. It's full. Man, they're eating. It's great. The end. And they all lived happily ever after. But there's more. There's more. Verse 11 and 12 and through 13, it says this, but when the king came in to see the guest, Sure, his heart was thrilled. He's coming in and, wow, the, the party's happening. And he's looking at all these people from all different races and different backgrounds. And he's looking at them all. And they're enjoying themselves and having a good time. But when he comes in, he sees one man who did not have on a wedding garment. So he says to him, Here's what he says to him. Obviously, your wife didn't dress you because you got the wrong stuff on. And he says to him, friend, how do you come in here? Really, how do you dare come in here without a wedding garment? What was the man's response? The man's response was this. He was speechless. Hold that thought because we're going to come back to that. He was speechless. He had no argument. He had nothing that he could say. Verse 13, Then the king, God, said to him, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, because there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's speaking there of hell, a place of separation from God. Reading this passage like I have for many years, I've kind of always kind of struggled a little bit with these few verses. I've just got to be honest with you. They kind of left me scratching my head and kind of looking and saying, well, it was a great story up to then. I mean, could you have not just left that out? I mean, it was a really good story and I, and I liked the story, but that kind of messes it up and it kind of sets it on edge just a little bit. Because here's everyone that's rounded up, everyone who didn't think they were worthy. They're allowed to come. And now here's one guy that's kicked out and he's condemned. But I could read it and say, why is that there? But I'm telling you, there's a reason for it being there. And there's something that we obviously need to see in this. You see, back to the culture of that day. It was customary that when you were invited to a wedding feast, those who invited you would give you a garment to wear. They would give you that which was known as a wedding garment, a wedding suit. It's almost similar to what we have now, that when we have weddings or when we have parties, most of the time on the invitation there's something that says dress code. How you need to be dressed, if it's formal or semi-formal or business casual or just casual, there is a dress code that is given. They don't provide you with what you have to wear. That would be great. How many would like that? Well, if they had good taste, that would be cool. If they didn't know what they were doing, it would kind of be a little bit awkward. But they didn't buy the clothes for you, but back, or they don't buy them for you now, but back then they would provide you with the clothes. So in that culture, being given something that would fit the bill for the type of party that you were invited to, it would be unthinkable to refuse to wear those type of clothes. It would be seen as an insult to the host, an absolute slap in the face to them, making them think what? 
that number one, you didn't want to be there. That you didn't care about what was happening and you just really didn't want to be there. And secondly, it would make them feel that you weren't part of the celebration. That you didn't want to be a part of what was happening. You see, the picture of not having or the need of having the right wedding clothes is a picture of the righteousness that Christ requires from every one of us. It's a picture of the righteousness that is needed, listen to me, to enter into the kingdom of God. You see, everyone is invited, but you can't just come, like I said, how you want to come. You've got to come through Jesus Christ. You've got to come through salvation. And that means leaving the old behind so you can grab a hold of the new. The word righteous literally in the dictionary means this, doing right. Doing right. And our righteousness, the best that we can possibly do, the best behavior, the best act, the most spiritual that we can ever be, the Bible says that is as filthy rags. Look what it says in Isaiah 64 verse 6 from the New Living Translation. It says, we are all infected and impure with sin. Oh, but you don't know me. I'm perfect. No, every one of us are infected and impure with sin. And when we display our righteous deeds... When we try to say, I'm going to earn my way into heaven because if I do this, then God, he says, your best that you can possibly do is nothing but filthy rags. It's like autumn leaves. We will wither and fall and our sins will sweep us away like the winds. There's nothing we can do. The best that we can offer is like filthy rags to God. Why? Because we cannot earn our salvation. We cannot merit our salvation. We cannot obtain it. It's only by His grace. And it's only by His mercy. And that's why the Word of God says that now we are clothed not in our righteousness, but we are now clothed in His righteousness. Come on, the Word of God says that He gives us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on, He clothes us in humility. He clothes us in power and might. He gives to us that which we could not earn and we could not receive for ourselves. Is there anyone here that's worthy of God? Come on, is there any of us that's worthy of what He has done? But what we stand today clothed in His worthiness. Come on, we have on His his wedding garment, so that we can come in. Isn't that amazing? Even with the power of the gospel, there will still be those that will reject it. There will still be those that say, I don't want to put on God. I want to put on my own self. I want to live my own way. I want to do life my way. I I know what's best. Remember what the king said to that man? He came up to them and said, why are you like this? What was his reply? Remember the man was speechless. Why was he speechless? Here's why I believe he was speechless. Because he knew the truth. He knew what should happen. He knew what should be done in the situation. And therefore he had no comeback. He had nothing that he could say. Why? Because he knew the way was through God. But yet he had willfully chosen to make a willful decision not to live, to put on 
the robe of righteousness. On Facebook, I posted, I believe it was today on my daily Facebook page, I quoted today, you can have faith or you can have control. You just can't have them both. Come on, you can have faith or you can do life your way. You just can't have them both. You have one way or the other. God says it's either faith or it's no faith. It's either life or no life. And we know that he came that we may have life. So what do we see? I am what? I am called. Every one of us have called. But have I chosen? Have I made the choice? Have you made the choice today to live for him? The invitation has been made. But we must be ready. And that's where we come to verse 14. It says, for many are called, but few are chosen. All have been called. The party's ready. The invitation's to everyone. But there's only a few that have chosen to take the garment. Chosen to say, God, I want to live for you. I want to accept your invitation and live for you according to your word and according to your way. And those who desire more from God, I truly believe will be used for him because God is looking for vessels each and every day that he can use. People that would say, God, I have chosen you. I want to be your choice. God, use me to touch this world. Use me to choose to touch other people. And that's what chosen 2015 is all about. Not just the I am, but the I have. God willingly, wholeheartedly, I want to surrender my life to you. And I don't have to understand it all. Aren't you glad that you don't have to understand it all to give your life to Christ? All you need to understand is this, that you're a sinner and you need a saviour. All you need to understand is that the wages of your sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We just need to understand every one of us needs a saviour. One that can help us. And he promises to be that. He promises to do that. And over the next 21 days, just a few days, I know it sounds a lot. We really want every one of you to say and make a fresh I have to God. We want you to step out of the I am into the I have. Those that purposely and willfully say, God... I want to live for you. Maybe today it's the first time you'll say I have. Great, awesome. We pray that you will. And we pray that you do. But We want to see everyone start their year off right. We want to see everyone sow the right seeds so they can be a part of the right harvest. As I said earlier, with printed materials, we've got things such as um, Chosen 101 goes through just what does it mean to pray? What does it mean to fast? What are the different types and how can I do it? What's the importance? We've got materials like that available for you at the back. They're on our website that you can find. We're going to have daily devotions every day that we're going to be sending out. There's going to be Q&A opportunities on Wednesday nights throughout the fast and online if you've got questions or you just need advice, you need help. Come on, we're going to be doing everything we can because we just really believe that this is a great time for you to participate in for your future and that your life will never be the same. And I want to help you a little bit. As we go into Chosen 2015, I want to help you a little bit. 
and prepare you to make the right decision to be a part of it. Because maybe today, this is the first time you're hearing about it. Maybe you've heard about it and you've heard about it for years now, but you've never participated. That's why we prayed at the beginning that you would open up your hearts and minds. Because we really believe that it's time for each one of us to step into the fullness and everything that God has for us. So here's where it starts. I believe it's so important to set your objectives. When you go into something like this, don't just go blind into it, but set your objectives. In other words, what is it that you desire God? What is it that you need God to do in your life? What is it that you're longing for and the greatest needs and the greatest desires of your life? You see, it's, we've got to be careful that we don't just come to God with our shopping list. God, give me this, 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 this. Is he able and does he want us to have some of those things? Probably, maybe not all of those things. But we've got to watch because I think if it's all about, God, give me this, 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 we're missing the whole point. Because the whole point of it is this. We first must have a proper relationship with God. Our first objective, I believe, always has to be this, me. Come on. My relationship with you, God. To build and strengthen, as we talked about on Wednesday night, so I can connect to you by disconnecting from the world. Because it all has to start from there. Here's my objectives. Are you ready? Here's my objectives from the fast. It's just generic, but here's my three objectives for the fast as I go into it. First and foremost is me, my relationship with God. The second objective for my fast is my family. I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for my wife. I'm praying that God would bless in their decisions they have to make. Hannah's graduating high school. This is a big year for us. We were talking about that last night in our house. Luke's turning 13 this year. Maddie's turning 20 this year. Hannah's turning 18 this year, graduating and going into college. This is a big year for us in our house. A lot of monumental things happening and taking place. Brittany's going to be 22 this year. Just things taking place in our lives. And I'm praying, and one of my objectives is, God, I need you to touch my kids like never before. I need you to be in our home and give us health and strength and wellness. And then my third objective is this. I'm praying for our church. Praying for each one of you. I'm praying for God just to provide for us and bless us this year. And believe in God to give us new facilities this year. I know for some of you, you don't like that because you're like, man, I like where we're coming. I like where we're at. Well, that's great, but look around. There's not much room for someone else to like that. Our nurseries are expanded so far right now that we've hardly got room. We're, we're stacking kids four high on top of each. No, money plan, only plan. <laughs> Maybe three high, not four high. But we're just expanding. We're growing, and we need to have a space to... Build greater growth. So we're praying that God would lead us and guide us. And that's my objectives. And I really encourage you to set your objectives. What is it that you want? Yours are probably more specific and mine are more specific. I'm just giving generalized ones to you because some of the objectives in my family and in my life, they're personal to me. But I'm setting those objectives and saying, God, I need this and I need that. And I'm really believing. But again, where does it start with me, God? With me and you. God, that you would change my heart. I'm not much of a journaler, I must admit. I don't journal a lot. I don't write things down a lot in regards to that on a daily basis. But I really strongly recommend you on the way home, stop off at Walgreens, stop off at Walmart, even on your phones and on your tablets. 
set a space. You can probably download journals on your tablets now, probably free. Download a journal, buy a journal, and every day, write day one. And God, what I am believing for you to do today. And just listen as he gives scriptures and he opens up truth and write those incredible things down. And when you've got prayer requests, write them down, but don't be afraid to go back. And when he answers them, write down when he answered and thank God for them. Because I can promise you this, you will not be wasting your time and you will never not have anything to show for this. Come on, God's going to change your life. Misty's sitting on the second row right now. I'm going to share our testimony. Three years ago during the fast. Three years now, isn't it? Three years ago during the fast, she came up to me and said, Pastor Philip, I'm believing that God will set me free from smoking. Tired of smoking. Tired of what it's doing to my health. I, I want to be free. Three years, she is free from smoking. Come on, what a great objective. I, I want to see. I heard a story this week from a a minister that I was listening to. He was talking about a young lady in their church was unable to have kids. Every doctor that she had gone to in town said, you are unable, you will never have kids. She told the pastor at the beginning of the fast, one of my main objectives is this, I'm going to have kids. God's going to help me have kids. In one of the prayer meetings as they were praying one morning, she comes up to the pastor and she says, I just got pregnant. He says, hold on a second. I mean, whoa, watch out. What's going on here? I mean, you know, that will destroy a church right there. That I got pregnant in a prayer meeting. You know what I'm saying? But she says, no, seriously, God just, I just got pregnant. I know that. I felt it. I sensed it. And he said, well, sweetheart, go to the doctor and just find out. She goes to the doctor the next day and the doctor said, yes, you're pregnant. What a miracle. You may say, oh, that happened three weeks before. No, she believed it happened. Like Kayla said, she felt it because she believed it. She believed it and God did something. And now the testimony is this. Three kids later, her and her husband are still serving God. Come on. You see, set the objectives for your life. Oh, but that's impossible. Oh, God is the God of the impossible. God wants to do things. And we're not just talking about, God, I want a million dollars. If that's what God has laid aside from you, then we pray that God would give that to you. Just make sure and pay your tithe. And by the way, tithe on a million dollars is 40%. Have you read that in the Bible? <laughs> but if that's what God wants for you, they're great. But don't want anything that God hasn't first laid upon your heart and put inside of you. God will change your life. What type of fast, just quickly, do you plan to do? Really, there's four types of fast. We've listed down three, but I want to add a fourth. There's three or four different types of fast. The first type of fast is an absolute fast. We don't recommend this, especially not for long periods of time. An absolute fast is nothing, no water, no food. That's really tough. And we don't recommend that in any way. And if you do feel that you want to do that, then just do that at at the most for a day or a couple. Because it's not about making yourself so miserable to impress God. It's about disconnecting from the world so you can connect to God. It's about refraining from something for a spiritual purpose, to touch God. Then there's the normal fast. I laugh when I say the normal fast because there's nothing normal about fasting, amen? It should be the abnormal fast. Because it's not normal. It's not normal to do with that. And your body craves those things and your body doesn't like that. The normal fast really looks like this. Just really water. 
and drinking juices if you need and maybe broth if you need that extra strength. Again, if you've never fasted before, this is maybe an extreme fast for you. And if you are going to do this, then just do it for a few days. I normally begin every one of my fasts with at least three to five days where I just do a normal fast. And I'll just drink water and occasionally some broth or some juice just to give me the strength. But that's usually where I begin my fast. And then I go on to a partial fast. And I want to look at two different parts of a partial fast, if I may. The first part is this, that we eat partial foods. One of the best partial fasts there is, is the Daniel fast. We've got materials for that at the back and on our website too. Basically, the Daniel fast is no meats, breads, or sweets. It's fruits and vegetables, pretty much living things. Those things that are healthy for you, those things that are good for you. No meats, no breads, and no sweets. And, and just eating, therefore, specific foods. Then there's the, another partial fast, and that is this, that you keep eating the same things that you would normally do, but yet you maybe only eat one meal a day. So you just have a breakfast or you just have an evening meal, and the rest of the time you just drink water. And water is the faster's best friend. It's your best friend for a number of reasons. It fills you up, but more than that, it helps to detox it helps to purify and to flush your system. Let me say it this way. You're going to get fit running to the restroom during a fast. Especially if you're here in the office. It's about a mile and a half to the restroom from the office there and back. You're going to get pretty fit if you're here helping and volunteering at the office. Okay? So these are the fasts that we tend to recommend more for a lot of people. Especially if you're on medications and stuff. Because you need food to be able to take medications. So again, be wise with those kind of things too, but a partial fast. And then there's a fourth fast that we've added, and that's this, a soul fast. A fast for your soul. And I know really all of these are in elements, fasts for your soul. But a soul fast is this, where you just feed your spirit and you don't feed your natural man. And in that fast, what you would do is you would stay off social media or you would stay off... Just internet, you would turn your TV off, not watch TV, movies, anything that you would take a time out for 21 days or three days or four days, one day, whatever it may be, and that you would just take that time just to really replenish your soul, just to really feed your spirit man and just to energize. And remember, it's not, again, about just doing without. It's about disconnecting so we can reconnect with him. And I'm almost done today, and I, I want to, in a few moments, pray for every one of you. But just before I quit today, in the Bible, there are certain scriptures that we know as this or that. 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the what chapter? The love chapter. It speaks about love. Isaiah 58 is one of those chapters. It's known as the fasting chapter. It's a, a chapter all about fasting, and I really recommend that you read that this week, Isaiah 58, and get ready to get excited about what happens when you begin to fast. But as we begin to get ready to pray for you all, I just want to read two verses, if I may, from Isaiah 58. And here's what I want to pray over each one of you through the fast. Isaiah 58, verse 8 and 9. It says this, Then your light shall break forth like the morning, Your healing shall spring forth speedily. 
And your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. And you shall cry, and the Lord will say, Here I am. Can I read that passage also from the New Living Translation? It says this. Do we have that up on there? We we don't have that. Okay, from the New Living Translation, it starts off this way. It starts and says, If you do these things, then your light will break forth. Healing will spring into your body. Righteousness, things will happen in your life. I'm telling you right now, miracles will happen. From these two passages, here's the three things that I am praying. Kelly and I are praying over our church, each one of you. The first thing that we're praying is this, for your healing. We're praying that God would heal you emotionally, physically, financially, relationally. Come on, in every area that God would heal you financially. Just whatever healing that you need, that you would see the breakthroughs and the miracles that God would have for you. That according to Psalms 138 verse 8, he will perfect that which concerneth you. We're just really praying that and believing that over your life. That those things beyond your wildest dreams, the impossible would become possible. So we're praying for your healing. The second thing we want to pray over you is this, for your direction. For God to direct you in the paths that you need to go that he would lead your lives, that he would lead the, lead the conversations that you should be keeping, that he would lead the friendships that you need to be, in the relationships that you need to be, in the jobs, the, the works, the opportunity, that God would totally direct your life in every way. And then the third thing we're praying over your life is this, for God's help. For God to give you help. Because what does it say in verse 9? Then you will call and the Lord will answer. Every One of us needs help in some form. I know today some of you came in here and you're crying out for help. I want you to know today that God is here to help you. He's your answer. He's your hope. He's your future. And then the fourth thing that we want to pray over your life is this, that you would move from an I am to an I have. Come on, that you wouldn't just say God's called me, but we would live called. Come on, by choosing to serve God with all of our lives, that we would not be ashamed of the gospel message, that we would not be ashamed of God's calling upon our lives, that we would not shy down, but we would stand up and talk and tell other people about Jesus. Would you stand to your feet with us today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.